Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Goal Achievers, what's going on? This is Hal Elrod, and today's episode, as you might have guessed if you're a regular listener, is one of the last episodes that is being brought to you by the Best Year Ever Blueprint Live Experience. That is our once-a-year live event in San Diego, and the reason that this is one of the last episodes that it's going to be presented by is that the event is literally almost sold out. The other day, we had 33 spots left. We probably have, I don't know, 25 left or something. I know six came in today. But anyway, if you're thinking about coming, Check it out, bestyeareverlive.com. Now is the time. We're about to stop selling tickets because we're about to be a full room and not have any room for anybody else to attend. So go to bestyeareverlive.com, get all the details. And yeah, if you'd love to join the Miracle Morning community and me and John Berghoff for a few days in San Diego, uh, it is truly a, a life-changing experience. And that sounds like hyperbole. It is not an exaggeration. Today's episode is unique in that this is possibly the first episode that we've ever replayed. I don't know if I've ever replayed an episode, and this is not for being lazy. (laughs) I mean, part of it, no. But this is one of, if not the most popular episode that John Berghoff and I have ever recorded called The Four Questions That Will Change Your Life. We ran it a couple of years ago. We actually ran it live as a live stream in the Miracle Morning community. And on that stream, we had over 4,000 people watching We had 434 comments that were left by people watching that were just profound. And I wrote a few of the comments down. Miriam said, that was amazing, exclamation point. I'm all the more motivated to push through every challenge I face. Thank you. Evan said, thank you, Hal and John. The visualization exercise helped bring intense clarity as to how I can live out my purpose. I'm more excited than ever to put new ideas into action. And I can truly see how my actions will positively impact the world. And then Shirley said, wow, that was incredible. Amazing images and feelings. A lot of those folks were referring to a visualization exercise that John Berghoff is going to lead you through in the middle of the episode. Now, I want to just give a quick disclaimer here. You're about to hear an introduction from John that he recorded two years ago when we put the episode out initially. And the only thing that I want to correct is he mentions in that episode the dates of the best year ever Blueprint Live event from that year. So Don't listen to John's dates. The correct dates for this year's Best Year Ever Blueprint, if you can make it, December 7th through 9th, 2018. So with that, I will turn you over to John Berghoff to give you a little more context about what you're going to hear. But seriously, this is an episode to like be seated, take notes, like really, really profound breakthroughs happened for thousands of people who really tuned in and listened to today's episode. And now I introduce you to the one and only, my good friend, Mr. John Berghoff. Achieve Your Goals podcast listeners, John Berghoff, your co-host here. Hey, let me tell you a little bit about what you're about to listen in on. This was a live stream that somewhere over 4,000 of you have tuned in to watch, both live and after we recorded it just yesterday. Hal Elrod and I had a conversation, and Hal wanted to interview me and have me share with all of you some of my teachings around the power of questions. And so... You'll hear us talking about the power of questions, three or four different types of questions that when we learn how to ask them, and this conversation is full of a lot of practical examples. 
So we had some folks on the live stream who sent us their notes afterwards and not exaggerating, four, five, six pages of notes. So feel free to really tune in. You can listen to it several times if you want. We talk about four different types of questions that can really be transformative for you personally and professionally. The other thing that happens, this was totally out of nowhere. This wasn't planned. Usually a lot of this is not planned, but we decided I led a guided visualization. And based on the feedback from many of you who are on the live stream, it was quite an experience to say the least. So I encourage you not to just skip ahead to that because everything we say leading up to it really helps you to get the most out of that guided visualization, which happens kind of near the end of the conversation. And as always, you'll hear us mentioning it during this conversation, but these questions that we share with you in this conversation today, these are the same questions that our Best Year Ever Blueprint event is designed around. It's an experiential learning event with 400 other people from around the world, but it's all built around using these questions to change our lives and our businesses for the better. So as always, we cannot wait to see many of you in San Diego coming up in about seven weeks at the Manchester Grand Hyatt, December 17th, 18th, 19th. If you're still waiting to pick up your ticket, do it quickly because the seats are being filled up really quickly. Bestyeareverlive.com, bestyeareverlive.com. And if you're still deciding on coming to the event or not, let this episode be a preview for what's going to happen at the Best Year Ever Blueprint. Enjoy. Hope you have as much fun as we did recording this. Take care. Hey, welcome everybody. Let's jump right in. Where are we starting? What are we going to do today? You ready? So the title of today's live stream is four questions to ensure your best year ever more naturally, effectively, and faster than ever before. And that's a big thrust of John and I's, a big focus of John and I's is how do we set up our lives and our businesses, our work environments, so that there's a lot of harmony and that things, well, nothing's ever effortless. How can we make it feel more effortless, Right. Having a team is an example of that. You know, John doesn't have to make an effort to do something if a team member is doing it, right? So that's a, a way to set up your environment so that it's more effortless for everybody involved. And so, you know, John, you're brought in by huge corporations, by industry conventions, mastermind groups of all types. And, you know, by yourself, you'll facilitate 100, 200, 500. I think recently there was a 700 person summit that you led. And for anyone that doesn't know John's work, essentially in two to three days, you know, you lead them, John, through a process to create a strategic plan to solve a major problem to transform their culture with the whole system in the room, right? Each person, each position, so that everyone is represented. And you probably wouldn't like me to say this, but I'll just say you get paid a lot of money to do this. And it's in the area of $100,000 for a two to three day summit that you'll put on. And that's just your fee. But you might be the only person in the world who does what you do at the level that you do it at. And I want to share that with everybody so that they know, because I don't think, you know, I don't know that people fully realize that. And then that's why I bring you to run all of our events, because there's no one in the world I truly believe. And I've been to so many events and very high priced events that nobody does what you do. And now when I go to these events, I'm always kind of comparing and I'm like, eh, this is pretty good, but it's just like event 1.0. It's a bunch of speakers in the front of the room and they're just teaching a bunch of stuff and I'm taking a bunch of notes, right? So one thing that you, kind of your expertise, your unique expertise is something called appreciative inquiry. Before I go any further, will you just kind of introduce everybody to appreciative inquiry and, and what that is and how can that apply to this conversation today and, and to their lives in general? 
Yeah, sure. Happy to, buddy. And thanks for the intro. And hey, this is super cool to be here. I know we're recording this and this will be a podcast episode, but there's hundreds of you, I guess, that are going to be here for this live right now as Hal and I talk. And it's awesome to be here with all of you. Yeah, Hal, in a nutshell, the work that I do, my day job is uh, I'm an owner of an entity called the Flourishing Leadership Institute. And what we do in a nutshell is we help whole systems of people to create transformation. So like tomorrow, I'm kicking off a summit tomorrow for the city of Cleveland. We'll have five, 600 people in one room for two days where we're actually designing sustainability initiatives. But let me stop right there and and talk about why does that matter to anybody who's here today? What's really interesting is even though how the work that I do is what I call at the level of the system. In other words, many Miracle Morning fans You know, they found your book, they found our community, they've been to our live events. And really what they're aiming for is developing themselves to be the best version of themselves. And that's what today's call is going to be all about. What's interesting for me is even though the work that I do is at the level of the system where I'm trying to help, if you think of personal empowerment is about helping a person, I'm trying to empower hundreds, if not a thousand people or a whole system all at once. What's really interesting is a lot of what I've learned through the work that I do, it actually applies just as effectively to an individual. And it's all based around a couple of principles. And you asked a question a minute ago, what is this methodology that I use in the work that I do? It's called appreciative inquiry. And it's based on several principles that are all related to the power of the questions that we ask ourselves. So how... Today, what we wanted to do is we wanted to share with everybody what we've learned are some of the most valuable questions that we can ask that can create both immediate and also permanent transformation. And so I'm excited to talk about this also, Hal, because our Best Year Ever Live Blueprint event, which every year, our fourth year of doing this is coming up in less than two months in San Diego on November 17th through the 19th. That event is actually designed around these four questions that we're going to share today. So you might think, well, we're going to run this call and you're going to feel like you have to come to the event to get the real value. It's actually the other way around. We're just going to give away the most important lessons right now to this community that we go deeper into at that event. But we hope that in the next 45 minutes or so, you get exactly what how what you just promised everybody, which is some real ideas to create an immediate, powerful impact in your lives. And I'm super pumped to share those in any way I can. Awesome, brother. Well, let's start with, talk about the power of questions because that's one of the greatest lessons I've learned from you is to, whenever I make a statement, I go, John, this is going to be blank, blank, blank. You go, really? Well, how might it be different or how could it be better? Or you always frame it in a question that stimulates our thinking. So yeah, talk about the power of questions. Yeah, well, I'll start with this out. I'm going to pass along a story from one of our mutual mentors, Jeff Hoffman, who was at our Best Year Ever Blueprint event last year. And and he tells a story about a time when he was stuck bringing a five-year-old to work one day. And this five-year-old, as they walk into his office, she starts questioning everything. You know, she says, why do you have that printing machine over there? And, And Jeff's, you know, constantly telling her, well, you know, it prints paper, it doesn't matter. And she would ask, what do those people over there do? And what's the reason that you're doing this? And why are you doing this? And one of the things that Jeff realized is that he was reminded by spending a day with a five-year-old that a lot of the things this five-year-old was asking about, he realized, you know what? I ought to be asking those questions myself as an entrepreneur. 
And he loves sharing the story with us about the power of having a childlike wonder and how important it is that we become great at reconnecting to this capability of asking questions. In fact, some interesting research on this. If you look at children at about the age of three or four, when they start to learn how to communicate, you know, the height of their curiosity expressed through their questions is at about four or five years old. And what's really fascinating is if you look at our current education system, which was built based on teaching people how to work in a factory, you know, where they really need to learn how to have answers versus how to ask the right questions. What's fascinating is if you look at kids at four or five years old, they ask a lot of questions and the amount of questions they ask steadily goes down up through high school. And it's probably not a surprise to most of you that are watching today or listening to hear that the level of engagement, how engaged students are, is almost a direct correlation with their ability to express curiosity through questions. So how, you know, you and I are big fans of this philosophy and we try and embody it when we can, but we really believe that whether someone's an entrepreneur or someone who just wants to get the most out of life, having that kind of permanent curiosity is a super important quality. And I'll, I'll share with everybody right now that I think there's certain principles of asking questions that are a big deal. And I'll share a couple of these real quickly. So the first one is this, that when we learn to ask new questions, that our questions in the word that I use, Hal, is fateful, F-A-T-E-F-U-L. And I'll explain what I mean by that. But our questions are fateful. In other words, what I mean by that is they immediately change our future before the answers even arrive. And so as a metaphor, Hal, I'm looking on the screen, you're wearing glasses right now. I'm wearing contact lenses. Any of you that are watching this live stream, if you've ever worn glasses or contacts, you know that when you put a lens in front of your eyeball, that lens immediately changes what you see and how you see everything, right? Well, the way I look at it, Hal, is questions are just like putting a new lens in front of our mind, right? The moment I ask a new question, I'm putting on a new lens. And we're going to give everybody today some examples of the types of questions that you can ask that can immediately change your future before the answers arrive because they create a lens that changes how we see everything immediately, The other thing that questions transform is not only the future, but the present. They bring us present. And I like to say they bring us micro present. And, you know, we're big fans of meditation and mindfulness, but really mindfulness is a practice of getting hyper present. Well, questions can do the same thing. And then the last thing I want to add, Hal, is depending on the types of questions we ask, because not all questions are created equal. In fact, there's questions we could be asking if I'm going to suggest that in a few minutes, some of you are going to discover on this call today that there might be questions you're asking all the time, maybe unconsciously, that are not serving you. So the right questions also have one more quality about them, is they'll elevate our well-being. And these are questions that change our emotions in a positive way. And a metaphor I like to use is, you know, if you think about a boat, how you love to boat. If you think about a boat traveling through the lake, behind the boat, it leaves a wake behind it. And I would suggest that every question has an emotional wake behind it, whether or not we realize it. Like if I walk into my office today and I say, consciously or unconsciously, I ask myself the question, what's wrong in our business? What's not working? What's struggling? What could go wrong? What I don't realize is that those questions have a wake that they leave behind them emotionally that's negative. And there's now a whole field of science. You know, five years ago, I could be talking about this and people would say, there's no evidence for this. But today, there's an abundance of evidence for this. The whole field of positive psychology has really proven out 
that when I'm in a negative state of mind, it shuts down the part of my brain that is able to see new possibilities. It's able to be creative. It's able to find and create opportunities. It shuts down the part of my brain that connects with other people. So questions that put me in a positive state of mind, there's a scientific neurological basis for the importance of that. The other thing that the right questions can do is they can improve our relationships with others. Because oftentimes, we're not just asking a question of ourselves, but we're asking a question to have a dialogue or a conversation between two or more people. The other thing great questions can do, Hal, and we'll talk about how to do this today, is they can completely turn around or transform or deepen the sense of purpose that we have in our lives. And ultimately, all of these things allow us to achieve more. So there's a lot of power to asking great questions. And I just wanted to set it up with that. And then we can go into this however you want, wherever you want to go. Well, let's get specific. Let's start with, you know, today, our promise to everybody watching is, right, four questions that will empower your best year ever, ensure your best year ever, and do it in an easy, effortless way. What's the first question? What's the first of the four? The first question is what I would call a question that connects us to a deeper sense of purpose, a deeper sense of purpose. And I'm going to remind everybody of a parable that they may have heard before. And it's the parable about the three bricklayers. But I might take this deeper than you've ever heard it taken. So many of you have heard this. You walk up to three bricklayers and you ask the first bricklayer, hey, why are you doing what you're doing, right? It's the fundamental why question, right? It's the question that has to do with purpose and meaning in our lives and in our work. And the first bricklayer says, well, I'm doing what I'm doing because I need to earn a paycheck, right? The second bricklayer who's doing the same thing, working side by side with the first bricklayer, I ask him, why are you doing what you're doing? And he says, well, I'm doing what I'm doing because I'm building a building here, right? And you notice they're doing the same thing, but the answer has actually evolved. And maybe he says, well, this is what I do for a living. I build buildings. So it's more than this is a job. It's this is my career. The third bricklayer, I ask him the same exact question. I say, why are you doing what you're doing? And he doesn't say I'm making money. He doesn't say I'm building a building. He says, well, we're building a cathedral here, which is going to bring people closer to their creator. And so what's really interesting about that little parable is it's a great reminder of several things simultaneously. So number one, they're all doing the same thing, but they give a different meaning to what they're doing. And the lesson in that right there is that we sometimes think that to find more meaning or purpose in our lives, it means, well, maybe I should be doing something different. And I would argue that's not necessarily true. Purpose is not necessarily about what we're doing but about the meaning that we give to it, right? And I'm going to give everyone some real tangible examples in a second here of the types of questions that you can ask that can literally instantly transform the sense of purpose that you have. And if any of you are listening today and you lead teams, I'm also going to give you some examples of how you could bring these questions to a team. It doesn't have to be hundreds of people like I do. It could be to three people or five or 10. But there's an important lesson about that bricklayer parable. Number one is, it's not what we do, but the meaning we give to our work and our lives and to any situation, right? That truly gives it a sense of purpose or fulfillment or meaning for us. There's another important lesson, Hal, that we've got to remember. And that is in that moment when I asked those bricklayers, why are you doing what you're doing? We have to remember that nobody was dictating how they answered that question. We have to remember that at the moment that they responded to my question, they had unconditional responsibility for their answer. And what does that mean? What that means is we sometimes think of purpose as this thing in our lives that's like divinely guided. And I'm not going to argue. Maybe it is. The problem 
is when we put the responsibility of having purpose in our lives outside of ourselves unconditionally. And what I'm here to suggest is that we can actually take total unconditional responsibility for having purpose and meaning in our lives because there's nobody that's controlling how those bricklayers answer that question. So everyone who's watching today, when you ask yourselves the question, what is it about my work that gives me a sense of meaning, fulfillment, or purpose? Maybe you don't like the first answer that comes up. Maybe you wrestle, maybe you struggle. And I wanna give you the freedom and I wanna give you permission to choose another answer. And then maybe choose a different one and choose a different one until you find one that maybe reconnects you to what it was that you once were connected with, right? So Hal, let me give everyone some examples of questions that connect us to a sense of purpose. And for those of you watching the live stream, you know, if this makes sense or you have any comments, feedback, you like anything we're sharing, post it in the uh, chat box because we could see it live right here. So questions that connect us to a sense of purpose are questions like, why? Why does this matter? What is it about what I'm doing that gives me a deep sense of meaning, purpose, or fulfillment? Now, here's an interesting one. What is it about my work? And you could replace work with anything. My family, right? My children, my spouse, you replace my health. What is it about my work that maybe I've lost sight of? Maybe I've forgotten, or maybe I've taken for granted that when I reconnect with might remind me of why this work means so much to me, right? Any of these are questions that connect us to a sense of purpose. But the most important lesson that I want everyone to take away from this is this, is to never stop asking, why am I doing what I'm doing? Never stop asking, why does this project matter? Why does this client matter? I had this happen yesterday, Hal. I was wrestling with dealing with a really complex challenge for a client, a mastermind community where I'm designing a really complicated agenda. And because it's so complicated, I was telling myself stories. I don't know if any of you have ever done this, but I was convincing myself to work on anything other than this really challenging problem that I had. And I realized I was ignoring what I needed to do. I was convincing myself to do everything other than what I needed to do. And the ultimate reason why, Hal, was because I had lost connection with why this work mattered to me. And so I took a deep breath because sometimes asking a great question requires us first to pause right? I believe in this idea that when you push pause on a machine, it stops working. When you push pause on a human being, it starts working, especially when we can learn to connect with things that matter a little bit more like you've been teaching us. And so when I pause and I ask, wait a minute, why is it that this client even matters to me? And when I realize, wait a minute, this matters because I'm not only helping a ton of people, but by figuring out how to solve such a complex problem right now, I'm going to enable myself to create value for so many more people that I haven't even met yet. So what happened is by asking that question and creating the space for a cool answer to emerge, I thought, oh man, I am pumped to go back into this, right? So that's an example of a question that connects us to purpose. And Hal, before we go to the next question, I've got a bonus here. Bonus. I love bonuses. I get, we got a bonus. (laughs) If any of you lead a team of any size... This might be fundamentally one of the most important exercises you can ever facilitate. And when I say team, this could be your spouse. This could be an employee. This could be a business partner. This could be a customer. This could be anybody that you collaborate with in any way of any importance in your life. One of the most important activities that we facilitate when we walk into a team is we start as many conversations as we can with the same question. And that question is, 
why are we here today? Why does the work we're doing matter to us? Even if it's just the meeting that we're in, hey, why is this important to us? And what we love to do is let's imagine eight people sitting around a table. So often in life, we start a meeting and we start talking about the task at hand, but we now have neuroscience, brain research that is showing us that when we start a conversation on the left side of the brain and we don't start it on the right side of the brain, which a purpose question will do that, we rarely get back to the right side of the brain. We get so task focused, we get logical, analytical, that we shut off the part of our brain that's actually able to do some of the most important complex thinking, the part of the brain that does relationship building. So when you start a meeting off, one of the best things you can ever do is say, hey, before we talk about topic XYZ, whatever that topic is, I'd love for each person to just take a second and share, why does this topic matter to you? And you take it one step further, when everybody shares their answers, look for what's common amongst everyone's answers, right? There might be a theme or two or three themes or patterns that emerge. And we'll write those down. We'll put them up on the wall and we'll say, look at that, everybody. What's interesting is to notice that right there is actually our true, authentic, shared purpose. And see, this right now elevates my leadership because as a leader, one of the big mistakes, this is like leadership 1.0 is I should tell people why our work is meaningful. I should tell them what our vision is. Eh, it doesn't really work anymore, right? The future of leadership is about inviting people to be included in arriving at that answer together and then helping them to see where their answers were actually connected. And that's what we call the authentically shared sense of purpose. So just a little exercise, any of you that lead teams, and that's it. all I'm going to say on that question about connecting to purpose, Al. I think it's a big one. It's important. Yeah. And like you said, it applies to family, right? Why is what we're doing great? Why is what we're doing meaningful, you know? It applies to leadership at every level. And I love what you said that, right, leaders are not about the people that stand up and shout, here's why we're here. Here's what we're doing, right? But, but they're, they invite a sense of co-creation, if you will. I love that. Let's dive right into this question number two. Yeah, the second type of question, and we uh, at our Best Year Ever Blueprint event in San Diego, we do a lot of work around this question. And I'm going to give to everybody today two out of the four ways that we actually use this type of question at that event. So... The second type of question is what we would call a question that connects us to our strengths. So Hal, instead of me talking about these questions, from this point forward, anyone who's watching, I actually want to ask you these questions. We're going to make this call from this moment forward experiential. So if you're somewhere where you have a pen and anything to write on, you're welcome to actually play along and become a part of this experience because you'll get this all at a deeper level. So let me present a question here that might connect you to your strengths, right? To when you're at your best. So I want to invite everyone who's listening to go look backwards in your life, look back across time. And I want you to think about a moment. Then if you're an entrepreneur, you're a professional, you can answer this question professionally. If you want to answer this question personally, you're welcome to do it any way you want. But I want to invite you right now to go back to a moment and time in your life when you were at your very best. And we've all had ups and downs. That's the human experience. But I want you to think about a moment when you were fully engaged, right? If you're an entrepreneur or if you're in business, maybe it was a time when you, you achieved something, when you accomplished something that was really meaningful. Maybe you were part of a team that was thriving. Maybe you overcame an adversity that you're really proud of. You know, if you're a parent, maybe it was a time when you felt like you were really thriving as a parent. Maybe there was a specific moment. And I, what I want to invite all of you to do is go back through your memory and connect with 
one specific moment right now, a specific story of when you were at your best. And as you connect with that story, I want you to think about what was happening in that moment. If it helps, you're welcome to close your eyes. What was happening in that moment? What did you bring to the situation? How did you show up? What did you believe in that moment? What were you doing? How were you behaving? How were you communicating? You know, maybe the story that you connected with is one where you were in a relationship with somebody else, either a personal relationship or a coworker, and maybe you collaborated together. What did you say to each other? What were you thinking? What were you feeling? Right. And so when you go back to this story and you think about all the answers that emerge for you right now, what's happening is you're connecting to a time when you were at your best. And what happens when we connect to a time when you're at your best, and if you wanted to do this as an exercise after the live stream, you could answer all those questions and actually write out your answers. And then once you write out those answers, here's what's happening. What's happening is we're actually studying a moment of success for you, right? We're studying success. And what gets really interesting is when you answer those questions, and then I ask you this question, how can you take the qualities that you brought to that moment into the present moment right now? And then how can you take the qualities that you embodied when you were at your best into your future? And see, all of the sudden, when we connect when we've been at our best to right now and to where we're going, we're now tapping into our strengths. Now, if any of you are really interested in this idea of connecting to your highest human strengths, I would encourage you to go take, not now, wait till we're done with the live stream, but go take one of the two strengths assessments. We have a Quantum Leap Mastermind member, Alyssa Dare Nelson, who helps people to figure out how to work with their strengths. We should tag her in the comments. But you can take one of these assessments. They're either free or really inexpensive to help you to articulate what are your character strengths. Now, Hal, I want to give everyone one more example of how to connect with strengths, questions that help us to come from a place of strength. Because it's not just about moments in our lives when we've been at our best. And by the way, if you lead a team, I'm going to give you right now, in a second here, what I think is, maybe the most important question to ask of a business, of a team, and organization. But let's go back to, it's not just about when we've been at our best, because I don't know about all of you, but um, I've had moments, I've probably had four of them today when I'm not at my best. And there's also an empowering way that we can use questions so that when we haven't been at our best, or when we've had major challenges, major adversities, in fact, let's make this real you're watching or listening right now, I'd like for you to reflect for a moment. And if you want to reflect on your past or your present, either one works. I want you to think about a a major challenge, a major adversity, a major obstacle that you've either dealt with or that you're dealing with right now. And pick the biggest, most audacious challenge you could imagine just to really help you out, hopefully. When you think about this challenge that you're facing, I'm not going to ask you why this challenge sucks because you're probably already pretty good at answering that question. I'm not going to ask you any questions that allow you to live as a victim. What I want to do is I want to ask you a question that's going to allow you to convert that challenge into an advantage, that's going to convert that adversity into an opportunity. It's going to convert a problem actually into a solution. How do you do that? Well, with questions like this. What is the gift within that challenge? What is the gift within that challenge? You know, Hal, you and I had a shared mentor 20 years ago, Dan Cassetta, who actually will be, uh, he'll probably be speaking at our Best Year Ever event this year. And Dan used to say to us, he used to say, 
you know, life doesn't get easier. Your skills get better. And one of the things that always reminded me of is when I was facing an adversity is that adversity is telling me this is an opportunity to develop myself, right? Sometimes our greatest adversities are actually our greatest teachers. And this is true with relationships, right? Our greatest enemy might be our greatest teacher. The people that we have the greatest challenges with in our lives, for me as a parent, sometimes it's my children, sometimes it's my spouse. I almost always realize that in both of those cases, it's really a reflection of me. And sometimes what I realize is that these greatest problems I'm facing are really just my greatest teachers, but they only become a teacher if I'm present enough to pause and ask, what is the lesson? What is the wisdom? What is the learning that this challenge is delivering to me? And I might not see it at the first glance, but if I pause and I ask, and then I ask, well, how can this actually benefit me? And how can this learning, how can this gift, how can this lesson, how could this actually serve me in my future? How could it serve others? All of the sudden, I'm reshifting the meaning. I'm just like the bricklayer who's going from, well, I'm here to make money to I'm building a cathedral. I'm not just facing a challenge. I'm now facing an opportunity, right? Because I'm asking a new question that now allows me to come from a place of strength. Hal, the last thing I'll add on this question about strengths is for any of you that lead a team, an organization, and you could even do this with your families, one of the best questions we could ever ask is this, no matter how we change, no matter how we evolve as a team, what do we value so much that it should always stay the same? And see, this is a big question because what it helps people to connect with is what is it that's already great about who we are as a family, a team, a community, a business, an entire organization? And it connects us to our strengths. What is it that we're so great at that no matter what changes, we need to make sure We stay consistent on these strengths. For teams and organizations, super important question because it gives people a sense of pride and it reminds them that, hey, there's things that we can build on and build from as we create a new and better future. So how I'll finish at that on this question about strengths. So one of the things that I wanted to touch on that you shared earlier is always finding the gift within the challenge, right? The opportunity within the adversity, et cetera. And I think that a really important perspective for all of us is to realize like anything you complain about, think about this, anything that you complain about, your work, your spouse, your kids, your family, if you just stop and shift it around and go, wait a minute, so many people around the world are praying for the thing I'm complaining about. They wish they had a spouse. They wish they had children. They wish they had a job, right? And so I think that for us to realize that, that the thing I'm complaining about is something other people are praying for, wishing for, they would be so grateful to have. I think that can help us connect with how great life is in any given moment. There's always adversity. There's always challenges. As I learned recently, sometimes they're you know greater than others, but that doesn't ever ever determine our attitude. Our perspective always determines our attitude, right? And if you're looking at things and asking the questions that you're talking about, then that is a perspective that's going to allow you to feel joy, feel gratitude in virtually every moment of life, even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances you've ever encountered. Question number one, John, was really about connecting us to a sense of purpose. Question two was connecting us to our strengths Talk about question number three. I will. And Hal, I want to uh, honor a question or two that have come in through the chat box, which it's a little tough to keep up with. Yeah, so I'm, yes. I'm not going to aim to actually answer every question, but actually I will aim to and I'll fall short of that, I promise. <laughs> so uh, any of you who want to, please post a question. 
I actually, I want to honor Steve Black, who posted a question and he said, where was that information researched? I'm starting with Steve's question because I appreciate it at a very deep, important level. Now, Steve, I don't know when you posted that. So forgive me. I don't know what I was talking about when you posted it, but I've got an answer at every level that I want to share with everybody. So first of all, let me start with that question about purpose, right? Actually, let's go back to the beginning of this call. Inquiry, curiosity, you know, our own experience in working directly with entrepreneurs has shown us that an insatiable curiosity is really a factor that is underlying every great entrepreneurial achievement that we've ever witnessed. If any of you are curious about this idea of questions, I'll give you a couple great resources where they've compiled a lot of research that I really appreciate. One of them is a book called A More Beautiful Question. A More Beautiful Question talks about the research of asking questions. It talks about the correlation between kids, engagement, and also entrepreneurial success stories. And there's a lot of entrepreneurs in there that we all have heard of that are cited for giving credit to having just asked different questions. The other thing I want to respond to here from Steve's question was about purpose. Well, there's one bit of evidence that tells us that people are looking for purpose in their lives, which is the fact that the highest selling book of all time is the Rick Warren book, you know, A Purpose Driven Life. Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, I don't have the exact number, 67 million copies, but the marketplace has shown us that people want to find meaning in their lives. The most current research on the topic of purpose I get from working with Aaron Hurst, who's the CEO of Imperative. He also wrote a book called The Purpose Economy. And one of the things that he looked at is as demographic shifts are changing who is in the workforce. And there's a lot of conversation that people have about millennials and how millennials, you know, they're the first generation that wants meaning or purpose in their work. And I don't think that's true. I don't think Aaron thinks that's true. They just might be the first generation that talks about it, right? You know, my parents wanted meaningful work. It just wasn't talked about in their generation. So there's a lot of great research that Aaron has done. In fact, he just published a few months ago, the first ever state of the US workplace, the purpose index, where he quite literally, they interviewed six or 7,000 workers across the US and they correlated people who are driven by a sense of purpose. They have all their own measurement tools. And what impact does that actually have on their performance at work? And Aaron is also someone who I've learned a lot about from around this idea that there's a lot of myths and misconceptions around purpose, right? Like few that I mentioned, I learned from Aaron, you know, and one that I didn't mention is that we often think that to have meaning or purpose in our lives means that we're contributing or connected to some sort of charity, right? Or social mission. And actually there's a lot of people who work for charities or nonprofits who don't have meaning in their lives. So that's a misconception. It's not that that can't give us a sense of meaning or purpose, but what Aaron has uncovered through his research is that finding meaning or purpose has a lot more to do with the meaning that we proactively architect, engineer, that we proactively give to what we're doing in any given moment. That's why I use that bricklayer parable, because even though that's not from a research study, it's something that helps people to understand the concept. And then I also want to add, the reason why I'm answering Steve's question is because to me, it's the most important question. I personally am sick of hearing people that people like me, Hal, and people like you who get a platform like this. We've got hundreds of thousands of people that'll watch or listen to this. 
and who share ideas that aren't based in real science and real evidence. There's danger in that. There's a lot of danger because it can mislead people. And so the strengths revolution, the good news is almost 20 million people have taken either the VIA character strengths assessment or the StrengthsFinder 2.0 assessment. And if you go to either of their websites, you will find not one, not 10, but hundreds of studies that have been done and meta studies that have looked across all of those that are connecting the power of working from our strengths and performance in our lives or in our relationships. So I just wanted to honor Steve's question because I work in the corporate world. I serve large institutions where if there's not science or evidence that backs anything I'm doing, I could get in big trouble really quickly. And I think that's important, even for those of you who just showed up today because you want some good ideas, you should question everything and you should make sure there is some sort of evidence. Now, sometimes some of you are like me and you're like, Hal, we'll rely on our life experience as evidence because we don't need the data. I don't need the whole field of positive psychology to tell me that being in a good state of mind is going to create great things for me. However, if you want the evidence, go check out Dr. Barbara Fredrickson's book, Positivity, where the research that they're doing is fantastic. And it's now undeniable. When people are in a positive state of mind, it completely changes their mental capabilities, their ability to relate, think, solve problems, create new possibilities for themselves. So Steve, just want to honor that question. I appreciate it. Hal, where were we, buddy? The third question, buddy. We're on pins and needles wanting to know the third type of question. Uh, Yeah, what is the third question? Ah, the third one. And by the way, if you're loving this or you want to go through a deeper experience of this, come hang out with Hal and I in November, 17th, 18th, 19th. If you're curious, bestyearoverlive.com. It's two days, or if you're an entrepreneur, come for all three days. Where Hold on, it's let me, ex- let me, I want to say something about that, by the way. Sorry to interrupt you. I was thinking this when I recorded my cancer diagnosis video yesterday, which was such an important video, by the way. I don't know if anyone knows this, but I'll share. 17 takes. 17 takes where I was recording the video <laughs> and I would just get jumbled in what I was talking about. And yeah, anyway, so I just, it, to me, it was such a big announcement and I still don't feel it was perfect, but I had to get it out there. But here's the point. In the video, as I was reading the comments and I'm still reading the comments, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments have come in. Thank you so much. But here's what I realized. I want to meet you in person. Like that's it. Like that, you know, the, yes, the event's life-changing, Yes, John Berghoff is going to lead you through this revolutionary process, as am I and the rest of our team. But I just realized I want to meet our community members. And John, you know, there's it's like we have different levels of community, right? So there's the like our email subscribers is the largest email. So I'm letting everybody here's a little peek behind the curtain. Our email subscribers is our largest segment of our community, right? We have hundreds of thousands of email subscribers. Then you go into the Miracle Morning community, and that is 115,000 of you members, but it is much more intimate. As all of you know, it's much more engaged. Whenever I tell people about the community, I always say, it's not the quantity, because they get impressed. Oh my gosh, you have 115,000 people in your community? That's amazing. I go, no, 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 no. That's not what's impressive. It's the quality of engagement, interactive support, love. I mean, like we love each other. It's wild. So And then there's our in-person community. And think about this. You all of a sudden go from 300,000 to 115,000 to three to 400 people that'll be together in San Diego and totally engaged, totally interactive. I'm there the whole time. I'm hanging out in the room. Either I'm on stage or I'm in the back of the room just talking to folks. Like it's my favorite thing in the world to meet you in person after I've connected with you online. So anyway, I just wanted to share that. Like, you know, you explain the, 
data behind the event, the science behind the event, but I just want to meet our community members in person. So I invite everybody, come join us. Um, it really is a, a life-changing event. So John, sorry to interrupt you. Back to you, buddy. Yeah. One of the things we do at the event is we take questions like the ones we're talking about today and we move you through a pretty deep, enjoyable, playful, fun experience where you connect with other people around these questions. And that combination effect is irreplaceable. We can't create that for you on a live stream, but we could do our best to give you some good ideas. So I'm going to share a story. I'm going to share a story. Uh, last year, I got a phone call from the Front Row Foundation, a WISH organization that you and I are supporters of. In fact, Saturday night at our Best Year Ever event every year, we celebrate the Front Row. Hal and I throw a huge party for everybody. And just to honor a WISH organization and also to honor a life philosophy of being moment makers for ourselves and others and getting the most out of and bringing the most of ourselves to life. Well, I got a call from them last year. And they said, hey, John, you know, we want to have you come facilitate a large group planning session for the future of the front row. And of course I said, yeah, it'll be fun. Well, something unfolded and happened that we look back on and we still can't always explain. And I believe this is true personally. I think, you know, the mystery of life is permanently beyond my comprehension. And I think that's part of the importance of being curious, Hal, is uh, I spent a lot of time in nature and I believe that part of what nature teaches me is to stay permanently deeply curious, right? Because when I'm in nature, I realize that I'm in this environment that my logical brain can't explain, right? My logical brain can't explain how it is that a forest has survived for hundreds, if not hundreds of millions of years. You know, there's a deep wisdom there that I will never claim I fully understand, but I study it. And I also study indigenous native tribes. This is where the call goes really quirky, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, hundreds, thousands of years ago, beyond that, nature was an invisible school. That was education. It was being in the woods. And when we look at indigenous native tribes, one of the core essential qualities of indigenous peoples is an inherent curiosity, right? For them, it was... Can I be so curious that I hear the sounds of animals, the chirping of birds, that if I'm not curious, I won't hear it? Can I see something moving that I wouldn't see if I'm not curious? And while this might sound you know, awkward or interesting, I really believe that when we learn how to get curious individually and collectively from a place of humility, from a place of real humility, that's when the most incredible things happen. And that's what happened last year. The front row invited me in and we facilitated an activity. In fact, Hal, you were a central part of this activity. We broke off into teams and people created visions of the future. And we asked a question of everybody. And the question was, you know, what kinds of images of the future for this WISH organization, you know, would create the kinds of possibilities and opportunities that we've never before imagined? So this is a question that draws us unconditionally in a positive way into the future. And we broke people into teams and how your team actually came up with an idea. And the idea that your team presented was, what if we invented a whole innovative way of fundraising? And this innovative way of fundraising would be where we invite people from our community to offer up their strengths, their capabilities, their talents. 
And others within the community could bid on those strengths or talents. You know, I've got a, a web development person here. Well, someone who knows they're probably going to spend money on that one day. Maybe they could just bid on that and we allocate those funds to go to the front row. You and I offer up a ticket or two to one of our events and people who are going to go, they buy that. And so it's not a complicated idea, but it was a new idea for the front row. Well, here's what ended up happening. Probably a big surprise to a lot of you. It was to us. What ends up happening is that vision got presented during the day at about 11 a.m. The whole meeting was done that night at 5 p.m. And we invited everyone to my home here in Hudson, Ohio. And we sat around a fire pit on my back deck. And as we're sitting around the fire pit, somebody walks up to me and they whisper into my ear. They say, hey, John, remember that idea from earlier today? Why don't you actually auction off a ticket right now to your best you ever event? And someone here will probably buy one. And I thought, that's a great idea. Everyone's had a few drinks. I'm sure someone will bid on it. This will go well. So I grab a post-it note, you know, and we throw an impromptu auction. And I write, you know, best year ever ticket. And I hold it up. And what would you guess? Somebody buys the ticket. And then all of a sudden, I'm pretty sure I turned to Rome and I said, hey, you've got your dad's retreat. Let's offer a ticket to that. So we make up an auction item. We auction off a ticket to that. And all of a sudden we start coming up. Someone over here says, hey, I got a timeshare property. I'll offer up a week at that in Florida. And someone over here says, hey, I've got these uh, consulting services that I bet one of these 25 people sitting on this deck might be interested in. So all of a sudden, how that idea that you and your team had presented about six hours earlier was starting to come to life in real time. Yeah. And what ended up happening, to make a long story just a little bit longer, what ended up happening is we started counting it up. All of a sudden, we're at 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000. And all of a sudden, we realized, oh my gosh, we're at $84,000. Now, we were a few hours in and the wine was flowing and that probably didn't hurt. But the long story short is we ended up raising about $100,000. And what it was is it was an expression of a vision coming alive. But the crazy part was that vision, we would have been excited if it would have come alive months from now, even a year from now, let alone minutes after it was presented. And I share that story with everybody here because while you might think, how can I connect to that story? I would argue that we can all learn a critical lesson. And that is that when we hold an image of the future in our minds, the more passion, the more energy, the more focus, the more excitement we give to those images, the more likely they are to come true and sometimes faster more naturally and effectively than we ever could have imagined. So I want to invite everybody here to think about the importance of certain questions. And I'm going to give you some real examples right here. And then we got one more and then we're all done and we can answer any questions that were in the chat box. But what we're talking about right now are questions that connect us to new images of the future. And so I want to ask you, what images of your future? And you could move into the future a year from now, right? You could move several years from now. And when you look ahead in your life, and if you're not driving a car, close your eyes for a minute. And I would invite you to imagine, and if you're not used to visualizing, a couple quick tips on this. So first of all, for some of you, it's easier to visualize if you imagine that you're sitting in the chair of a movie theater and you're watching your life unfold on a screen. For probably more of you, it's a little easier to visualize if you actually imagine yourself in the movie, if that makes sense. So you're not watching your life, but you imagine yourself stepping into your body in the future. For some of you, it's a little bit easier to visualize if you imagine yourself not in a detached way where you're watching it on the screen, 
but as though you're actually hovering just above your body, like you're up in the sky and you're watching your life unfold, but you're there while it's happening, but you're witnessing it unfold, if that makes sense. So that's just a quick tip on visualizing. The last tip I'll give you on visualizing is for some of you, it's easier to visualize if you allow multiple images to move through your brain, right? Like if you're like, well, I'm ADHD. Guess what? That's a strength if you tap into it, right? That's a strength because you can allow multiple images to move really quickly. Or for some of you, it's actually easier to visualize if you allow yourselves to slow time down and soak into one specific image. So you can choose. There's no right or wrong way. I'm just teaching you the different ways to play with visualization. The next tip I'm going to give you on visualizing, then I'm going to lead you through a visualization. Usually we use music. I don't know how to stream music into this. So you just have to imagine there's music in the background. Next tip I'm going to give to you is if you want your visualizations to come to life, one of the best things you can do is you can attach a physical emotion to the visualization. How do you do that? The way you do that is by, as you're imagining seeing something in your mind, I want you also to draw your attention to your physical body because that's where emotions reside, right? And so you might even think about, okay, as you're starting to see this future, what do you feel in your chest, in your stomach, in your throat, your heart, your arms, your hands, your face, and allow yourself to physically feel emotions, even ones that you're not used to feeling. That can cause it to come alive. The last bit of advice I'm going to give you on visualizing is right before we visualize right now, set an intention. And the intention I'm going to encourage you to set is... I'm going to encourage you to set the intention to see something that you've never seen before. I'm going to encourage you to set the intention to see an image, an image of inspiration, an image of impact, an image of connection with others, an image of contribution, an image of success, an image of fulfillment, an image of your health, an image of your business, an image of your family, an image of your children, an image of your children's children. I'm going to encourage you to see an image that you've never seen before. And bonus, if you lead visualizations, go back and watch what I'm doing because I'm planting the images for you, right? So everybody take a deep breath, inhale, and a big exhale. How about another big inhale? And another big exhale. All right, I'd encourage you to close your eyes unless you're driving, just close one eye. All right. So what I want to invite all of you to do for the next minute or so is I'm going to invite you to play and to be like a child. I'm going to invite you to move into your future. And with a childlike wonder and an imaginary wand called your mind, your imagination, I'm going to give you permission right now. P.S. You don't need it ever, but I'm going to give it to you to see what you've never seen. I'm going to give you permission to play Play with your future, play with your mind, and see images that you've never before seen. And at this time, if you want, you're welcome to, to slowly fast forward. You know, today is, what's today? Tuesday, as we're doing this live. Fast forward a couple hours. Fast forward a day. Fast forward a couple days. Fast forward a week. And at this time, I encourage you to move into the future at whatever pace you would like. And as you start to move into the future, I'm going to invite you to select an area of your life. Now, if you want to select more than one, you're welcome to. As I'm giving you the rules, there are no rules. You're welcome to pick your health or you're welcome to pick your health, your wealth, your spirituality, your community, your family. 
If you want to see it all at once, you can, or you can just see one area at a time. But I invite you to pick something that matters to you. And maybe it's your business. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your neighbor. Take a big inhale and take a big exhale. And as you look forward into your life and you pick an area that matters to you, I want to invite you to see yourself maybe for the first time ever behaving in a way that you've never behaved. What does it look like? Making a decision you've never made. What does that feel like? Seeing something happen that you've never seen happen. What's happening? What do you hear? What do you feel? And right about now, what I want you to imagine is I want you to imagine as you're in your life, it's almost like a curtain is being pulled back. As that curtain is pulled back, it's almost like you're in a cave and somebody flickers a light switch that all of the sudden, instantly in this area of your life that you're envisioning, all of the sudden, imagine that whatever you're seeing right now is a level two out of 10. I want you to imagine it all of a sudden, instantly, simultaneously jumps to a four. That if you're imagining a relationship, I want you to see the depth of that relationship doubling from a two to a four. If you're imagining the impact that your business has in the world, I want you to all of a sudden see twice as many people coming to you, asking for you to help them. If you're imagining yourself as a parent, I want you to imagine not through your eyes, but into the eyes of those that you lead and your family, your spouse, your brothers and sisters. I want you to see the well-being in their lives doubling all of a sudden. What's happening? What are you bringing to that moment? What are you contributing? Who are you being? How are you showing up? And what are you communicating through the look on your face, through the beat in your heart, through every thought and every feeling that you have as you see a new and exciting image of your future? And as you look forward into your life, I want to invite you like a kid flying through the air to actually start to move further and further into the future. So when we start looking ahead further, what we thought was impossible starts to become possible. And when we're imagining, we can even make it probable. I invite you to look ahead a year, two years, three years, four years, five years. And all of a sudden, if you had a magic wand, what image would you like to see right now? A picture in your mind's eye, a movie playing out. Step into that moment like you're there, like you're celebrating. And see yourself celebrating. And I'm asking you, what are you celebrating? What did you do? Who did you become? How did you show up? How did you treat others? How did you live life to get to this point? And as you start to see these images or invite new images and different images, take a big inhale. And as you breathe it in, I want you to breathe in confidence. I want you to breathe in comfort. I want you to breathe in security. And as you breathe out, breathe out doubt. Breathe out insecurity. Breathe out hesitation. Breathe out fear. On your next inhale, breathe in wisdom. Breathe in knowing. Breathe in patience. On your exhale, let go of everything that's held you back. Let go of the voices. Let go of the images. Let go of the feelings. And as you inhale, I want you to look again further into the future, this time seeing your business, your life, your family, whatever matters to you. And I want you to all of a sudden, as you look into the future, see another new image 10 years out. And now this time, the image is so far beyond you just meeting your needs. 
because now you're enabling others to go beyond meeting their needs. It might be your children living a life worth living. It might be your business making an impact that you all of a sudden for the very first time, you know for the first time might live on beyond your own life. And as you look at how this has happened, I invite you to see like a slideshow, one after another, image after image, accomplishment after accomplishment, achievement after achievement, person after person who was part of this journey. In fact, if you want to deepen an image of the future right now, I want you to imagine if you've ever seen the movie Mr. Holland's Opus, near the end of the movie, he's surprised when his family walks him into an auditorium and imagine this is you. And imagine you're now 20 years ahead in your life, pick any time frame you want, and that somebody's walking you into a high school auditorium. And as they open the door, all of a sudden, you see every person who's ever played a role in your life sitting in the chairs turns and looks at you and they smile because they're honoring you, not because of what they've given to you, but because of what you've given to them. And as you walk up the aisle, you see and you hear and you feel the heart and the connection of every person who's ever played a role in your life. And sitting in those chairs, it's not just mentors and friends and loved ones, but it's those that you used to think were your enemies. It's those that you may have spent a whole life never figuring out how to connect or get through. But I want you to imagine right now that as you're walking up the center aisle, an auditorium filled with people, people who've touched you, and you're now realizing you've touched them. As you walk up onto the stage, I want you to imagine that standing on that stage behind a podium, looking out at this audience, it represents your final breath. And for the next moment, I want you to imagine your final breath. And as you take a big inhale and an exhale, I want to invite you to feel maybe a sense of peace and a sense of knowing and a sense of calm and a sense of purpose. <sighs> that maybe you've never given yourself permission to feel. And as you look out at this auditorium of lives that you knew and lives that you never knew, you never knew that you touched these people. You never knew that when you held the door for one person, they held it for another. You never knew that when you smiled at a stranger, they helped another. And you realize all of the sudden that in your life, every moment mattered. And you realize that not only the high point moments, but the low point moments had within them a gift, an opportunity for you and everybody else around you. And as you take that final breath, I give you permission one more time to see an impact that you're leaving behind, to give you a sense of comfort, confidence, knowing, a peace of mind and a peace in your heart. Maybe you see your children holding hands with their children. Maybe you see a legacy 
that you've never before seen. And you realize that you've done your part, that the world is going to be a better place because you are here. Take a big inhale and an exhale. Now I'm going to open my eyes. You're welcome to open your eyes. Johnny, I'm inspired, man. I don't know what happened for everybody else, but I had a great time just now. Even without the music, that was, that was <laughs> incredible. Um, in fact, because it's for this group, I want you to continue your flow, but I just want to share with you the vision that came up for me was my 100th birthday, the Miracle Morning practiced in every school in the world, and we've now achieved world peace. And so that uh. I've, I've never thought of the Miracle Morning could be the thing that led to world peace, but I, I now see that. So huge. Thank you, brother. That's awesome, buddy. Well, for anyone who's still listening, yeah, it's, the comments are flowing in now because yeah, yeah. uh, their eyes were closed. <laughs> I actually <laughs> went to look at the chat box. I'm like, I wonder if they're still here. And I'm like, oh, nobody posted anything. And then I forgot. We told them to do this whole exercise. Better eyes closed, yeah. Hey, I want to, uh, I want to invite everybody who's here because there's an important step that when we run a live event, and at our live events, we lead these with incredible music. And now we use live music too with Brother James. I want to encourage everybody to take an action step right now. And the action step, and you could do this right when we hang up. The action step is after visualizing. And yes, this is recorded and this will be published on our podcast tomorrow. So, you know, you can go enjoy. And if you like this, please share it with your friends and family. That's a small request that helps us in spreading our mission. And if you love that, come join us in San Diego because we do that for three days and it's pretty incredible, at least from our experience. And But there's something you should do after this call, which is after a visualization, always, always, always go right into a journaling activity. Take a notepad and a pen. And I really suggest doing it manually, not on a computer for a lot of reasons. But take a notepad and a pen and just jot down everything that you saw everything that you saw. And if you want to take the activity one step further, one step further, what you do is after you write down everything you saw, find a partner. And just like Hal did intuitively, which is great, find a partner and take 10 minutes, 15 minutes more if you want and share with each other. What did you see? What did you write down? And when you share, you can go beyond what you saw and what you wrote down. Because what happens, and I believe in something called social constructionism, I don't know if any of you have ever experienced this, but when you talk something out loud, some of you may have had the experience where you talk it out loud and all of a sudden you realize you're actually coming up with ideas you've never come up with before. Well, when we interact with another person, if you want to study this, just Google social construction and Ken Gergen, and there's a lot of great resources on this, but we use this at our live events. We have people talk through visions of the future. And every time they tell us afterwards, they go, you know, I thought the visualization was great. I thought journaling was great, but it wasn't until I talked through it with somebody else that it actually gave me clarity and focus and confidence that I've never had before. And then the next step, the bonus on top of the bonus on top of the bonus is after you visualize and talk through it, that's the best time that you could ever do action planning, right? So we lead 400 people through that over three days and they're learning from each other, but that's a way that you could do this on your own too. So Hal, I know we're We've gone over on time, if there is such thing. How do we want to finish this up? 
What do we want to talk about? We could just uh, keep talking. People did you just give the fourth want. question? Because I was just answering comments. Did you give the fourth question? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't uh, listening to you. Uh, uh, well, after the visualization, John, you got to save that for the end, man. I can't imagine you topping that. So I'm, uh, you know. Yeah. A um, few people just asked for the link to the event. So I put it up there. Yeah. We're used to doing this with lots of music. So uh, that was a whole new thing. Um, okay. So the fourth and final question, and I'll do a high speed review of everything we've covered today in yeah. a couple sentences. So we started today by talking about the importance and the power of the questions that we ask. And keep in mind that whole visualization, everything that you just experienced, for those of you that went through that with us, you were responding really to questions that I was asking. You know, I was inviting you through the question of what are you seeing? I was generating images, helping you to, gen- I didn't do it. You generated new images sparked by questions. And so the very first thing I said today is that when we ask new questions, our future changes even before the answer arrives. Because a question is like a lens, right? When I ask, what kind of images of my future give me a sense of fulfillment? And if you noticed in that visualization, I spent far more time connecting you to the emotions than the images. Because when we connect an emotion to the image, it does something magical that I can't fully explain, but it's powerful beyond just getting stuck in what does it look like? When we combine that with how does it feel, it's incredible. So a lot of the questions are not just what do I want to achieve, but how do I want to feel? Or you can back into it by saying, Imagine myself feeling a sense of peace, calm, contentment, purpose, fulfillment, pride that I've never felt before. What am I seeing happening that's leading to that, right? So you can use it both ways. So our questions change our future even before the answers arrive. And questions that move us into a positive state, there's now a neurobiology, there's a science behind this. Dr. Carol Dweck, Dr. Barbara Fredrickson, Dr. Marty Seligman, all these great researchers have helped us to see the science behind connecting to positive emotions. We talked about three questions so far. The first one is connecting to purpose. Never stop asking why. And remember that we have unconditional responsibility and freedom to choose how we answer that question. I hear entrepreneurs all the time, Hal, talk about how they want freedom in their lives. The problem is the type of freedom that I see most of them talking about is entirely conditional because they answer it with conditions. Well, freedom to me is when I own this and can do this and live here and go here, those are conditions. The challenge is we'll just keep creating conditions and we'll make it impossible to achieve all of that conditional freedom. To me, real freedom, unconditional freedom are those things that we can control at any given moment. And the meaning that we give to something is an unconditional freedom that we have. And we need to remember that, right? We need to reconnect with that reality. So asking why and generating an answer that we like, that's on us. That's on you. And that's bad news if you want, or it's good news. The next type of question is questions that connect us to our strengths. When are we at our best? When am I at my best? What am I good at? What gives me joy? What causes me to come alive? What do I want to do more of? And how can I do more of that in my work and in my life? How can I move towards using my capabilities when I'm at my best, right? I think humility is not a weakness. Humility in and of itself is a strength, right? And genuine humility is actually what enables true curiosity and enables us to keep asking great questions right? And knowing our strengths allows us to stay humble too. And it allows us to stay curious around, okay, where do I need to keep developing? And where do I keep depending on my strengths? The third type of question is questions that connect us to new and exciting images of the future. 
And let's remember that the words that we use when we craft the question, our words create our worlds. If that whole visualization would have been led by questions like, hey, what do you want to accomplish a year from now? There's a good chance that that word accomplish would have led to ego-driven images, would have led to maybe superficial images. Maybe not, I don't know. But oftentimes when we think about goal setting, we cut ourselves short, right? We think about egocentric goals, but when we use words that connect us to a deeper sense of fulfillment, purpose, meaning, when we go further into the future than we're used to going, when through the words in our questions, we invite ourselves to see images of an impact that go beyond just meeting our own needs, those words create the world that that question leads us towards. And we've got to hold on to those questions and keep asking those questions. This isn't an exercise for today as you're driving to work. This is an exercise to try and live within, right? Great entrepreneurs, many of you are entrepreneurs. Great entrepreneurs, they don't stand in the present and try and bring people into the future. They stand in the future because that's all they're ever thinking about and they pull everybody else towards them. And the last and final question, Hal, of course, if you want to experience these deeply, you got to come join us in San Diego, November 17th through the 19th. And Hal, if I can, I just want to admit our website doesn't really do a great job of explaining that event. Like if you listen to this conversation today, it's a heck of a lot deeper than anything our website says actually goes on at the event. But the last type of question is a question that moves you into action. Question that moves you into action or that causes any commitment. Questions like, what am I going to go do now? Right? So what kind of action am I going to take? to move myself towards that vision? What kind of action am I going to take to build on my strengths? Right? Because when I connect to a sense of purpose, I have fuel. When I connect to my strengths, I know where I should be leveraging my capabilities. When I know my visions of the future, I know what I'm trying to move myself towards without being attached to it because it might keep evolving. But the final question I've got to ask is how do I take all of that and take some action right now? What action can I take that will enact or bring to life my strengths? What action can I take that'll reconnect me to that sense of purpose? What action can I take that'll move me towards that vision and then go do it right now, right? There's no better time than the present to take action on a new goal, a new dream, a new image of the future. There you go, buddy. I'm just chatting with everybody in the box, man. I hope you're doing a great job. (laughs) (laughs) This is fun. Uh, I like engaging with my community. Oh, man. Anyway, uh, I had a question that I had written down. So I've been trying to keep up with questions and it's it's really hard. I don't like how this, the live chat only- It's tricky, 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 tricky. The four most recent posts, right? The comments, and then it just keeps going. Um, It's a lot. So Aaron Tibbs said, how do you identify a good partner to talk through your visualizations with? Anybody yeah. who was listening to this, I would say, right? I mean, that would be a good start. Yeah. Uh, someone who's willing to listen and to listen unconditionally, meaning, you know, find someone who got to be careful because if they have something at stake in your future, they might unknowingly want to shape what you're sharing with them. You just got to be aware of that. At the same time, it's not a bad idea to share your images of the future with someone who's got a stake in it. But I think... Uh, When we facilitate this, we have a whole process we move people through. And when we facilitate it, we tell them for 10 minutes, you're just going to share with the other person. Don't respond. I mean, you can, but don't have a dialogue. Let somebody share their images. And the way that we often facilitate it is if I share what I saw with Hal, what we'll do is he will reflect back. What did he love about what I just shared with him? So that's a simple way to do that exercise. 
but create time and space with someone who's willing to listen. What other questions came in? Let's see. Uh, Jennifer Psychowicz does say that you are doing a great job. So that thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate that. I'm sure John does as well. Anybody else have questions? Feel free to post them. It's hard to catch questions while we're doing the live stream. But now that we're in the Q&A phase, um, Olivia says we work well together, buddy. Oh, should we keep working together? <laughs> you know what? After that kind of comment, I think we will. I think we will. What a beautiful movement you are on daily, says Crystal. Thank you, Crystal. Annette, we'll see you in San Diego. You got tickets, plane tickets, lodging all paid for. Those things are on your vision board. Best year ever blueprint. We'll see you there, Annette. Awesome. Keith Minnick says, when is the movie coming out? Oh, John, I announced this in the video yesterday. So everybody watching, if you didn't catch the video I put up yesterday, one of my kind of spontaneous announcements was that we are going to show the first ever premiere of the Miracle Morning movie at the Best Year Ever Blueprint. So I don't know about you, but that really, you know, it's always a life-changing event, but I really, this became a historic event when we were able to get that done. And I don't know if we would. Our editor has been working on it. In fact, I still haven't seen the latest or the first cut we're going to see this week, but you'll see the official premiere in San Diego at the Best Year Ever Blueprint. So that's going to be exciting. Awesome. Awesome. And I know Keith, you're going to be there. So that's a given. You're going to see it, brother. In fact, Keith, you're in it. Keith is in the movie. Keith Minnick, everybody. <laughs> Keith Minnick, movie star, commenting maybe, right here. Maybe that's why he asked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's going, when do my friends get to see me in this movie? Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Victoria says, what do you recommend for someone who is blocked due to negative people? Mm. I'm not sure mm. what you mean by blocked, Victoria. I don't know if you can elaborate on that a little bit. Um, find some positive people. Well, that's a great question. I don't mean to make light of that. So I'll share a response to that. One of them is we sometimes have people in our lives who, let's say they're family. This is a great example, right? We're often reminded through our families how complicated and difficult it is to keep harmony in our relationships. But if it's not family, it could just be other people at work that we spend time with. But this question of what do I do if I'm blocked because of negativity of other people? Well, the first thing is to remember that we need to take ownership over our experience of the world. And so taking ownership over our experience of the world, Victoria, for anybody, it starts with realizing that no matter who's around me, I have to take ownership over my internal experience of the world. Doesn't mean that's easy to do. But what I'm really talking about here is if I'm surrounded by people who don't value what I value and they don't exude the energy that I want to exude, as long as I keep saying to myself, I am blocked or, or I can't do this because of them, what's happening is that language is allowing me to remain a victim. And as long as my internal language allows me to remain a victim, in other words, if I am attributing responsibility for my experience of my life onto anybody other than me, which is easy to do. I do it. I'm a parent. You kidding me? I blame things in my life all the time. And the fact that I've got three kids and a wife and everybody, I blame everybody. I so look, I'm telling you from deep experience, I know what this is like, but what I have to remind myself of is that's just me playing the victim, right? And as long as I'm putting responsibility and blaming others, usually it's unconscious then I'm just creating a trap for myself, right? Because at the end of the day, I could try everything I can to change my family, to change who's around me. 
but there's always going to be something outside of me that could set me negative, right? Because at the end of the day, I can't control everything that happens around me. So that's step one, is I have to choose to be a player and not a victim in life, right? I've got to choose to take unconditional responsibility for my response to what happens around me. That's step one. And, and I've got to realize and give myself permission and to realize that I'm never going to be perfect at that. That's my belief. Maybe perfection is possible. I feel like believing it's possible in and of itself is a trap. I think the human experience is one of ebbs and flows. I think we all go from highs to lows. So the key is, you know, and this is where I love mindfulness, trying to catch myself sooner. Because if I allow my internal experience like a monster to grow too big and it gets a hold of me and it's too late, it's much more difficult to turn the ship around, right? So that's why I have a regular mindfulness practice is because I want to develop something called sensory clarity. Sensory clarity is the ability to actually detect what's going on inside of me. It's like flexing a muscle, right? So if my environment around me is one reason that I'm not doing great in my life, well, one of the things I need to learn how to detect is the moment that I'm actually telling myself it's their fault, right? Because that actually resides in my body. That's some sort of emotion that goes with that. And when I can catch that moment earlier, sooner, before it gets too big and it's taken a grip on me, just by catching it, just by observing it, what happens is I release its grip on me. And now I can then move back into a more productive place. So that's the first step, Victoria. And then the next step is to take proactive action to shape your environment, right? So for me, my environment starts with my physical space, right? I'll do some unplugging here. You know, when I look around my office, everything on the walls in my office has some sort of meaning behind it. Everything, every single thing on these walls has a deep, deep meaning. There's nothing that is superficially put up. And I give the meaning to every picture. I give the meaning to every quote. Where's some, the picture of me in the off? I didn't see it when you scanned. It's around the corner, I swear. Okay. I swear it's around the corner. <laughs> it's there, I promise. Awesome. Oh my gosh. Um, so it starts with my environment. Everything around me physically, I control. I, I not only control the things or the symbols, but the meaning that I give to those symbols. So when I walk into my office, I don't consciously have to stop and say, what does that picture over there mean? Because I've actually given it an elaborate, sophisticated story. So just being in its presence reconnects me to a really important meaning. And then it's not just my physical symbols, but it's people too, right? So who do I allow into my space of my life? I got to take responsibility for that. I can't just declare myself a victim. And I know this is easier to talk about than it is to do sometimes, but it starts with taking ownership. So hopefully that helps. Absolutely. By the way, I love what Lilia Ronan said, John, your room is a vision room instead of a vision board. <laughs> it is. It True. is. I love that. I love yeah. that. And then uh, Zorahita Hodge said, Hal, in the near future, we like to know about how you won your battle with cancer. We know it's a whole lot of things you did, but we like to know the procedures. I'll give you a, the short answer, but the complete one, which is I did virtually everything that my doctors told me to. So I took advantage of the best that Western medicine has to offer which I was resistant to a little bit because of the chemo and it's, you know, that's not really building the immune system. And then I simply supported it with all sorts of holistic practices that my doctors knew nothing about because they didn't read it in their textbook. They couldn't prescribe it. 
and a really simple answer for you is go to chriseatcancer.com, C-H-R-I-S, eatcancer.com. You know, and he wasn't the only resource. I, I watched documentary Truth About Cancer. I read many books, but Chris Beat Cancer is probably my favorite. I've had to recommend one resource. I combined virtually everything Chris Beat Cancer talks about, which is all holistic, with the best of kind of natural, holistic Eastern, and then the best of Western medicine. So John Berghoff has to jump off you guys and pick up his son from preschool. Give him a round of applause, I will. Uh, man, appreciate you, Johnny. Great work today, man. Really, really appreciate it. Hey, Thank thanks, you. buddy. Hey, uh, I'm going to call in as I walk over to pick up my son. Oh, okay, and cool. uh, yeah, I'll keep chatting while I go pick him up. Buddy, do we, hey, since we're at the end here, yeah. is there anything else we want to announce about the best you ever blueprint? So we got a lot of people yeah. to come into that that are watching yeah, yeah, this. Yeah. Let, let me, I'll share this. You know, one thing that, again, I don't know if it's clear on the website. And by the way, nothing against our website designers. They're amazing. We're the ones that gave them the content. Which, <laughs> I don't think we it's, us. Yeah, it's, it's us. It's totally us, not us. them. No, but in terms of our speakers, so Entrepreneur Day, there's something that I, I see questions float around that I don't know if we did a great job explaining Entrepreneur Day, which is, so the main best year ever blueprint event is two days, Saturday and Sunday, November 18th and 19th. On the 17th is Entrepreneur Day. You can upgrade to the Entrepreneur Package if you're an entrepreneur or if you want to be an entrepreneur. The speakers that we have this year, like this is one area where in the past, we never focus on bringing in speakers because that's what most events do. We want to really create this experiential environment with our speakers that we've got kind of our core team. This year, we've got Joe Polish, who founded the Genius Network, which is a $25,000 a year mastermind that he has hundreds of members belong to it. And the high level folks are in this group. We have Mike Keenigs who run, he actually, he's sold two businesses for multi-million dollar price points. Mike is going to be there, founder of Traffic Geyser, publishing all, all sorts of different companies. He's, he's just always like a serial entrepreneur. We've got John Rulin, the author of Giftology. John will be speaking at Entrepreneur Day. I believe Dana Malstoff, we confirmed Dana yet? Or is this? Yeah, she is. She's in there like swimwear. All right, Dana Malstoff, for all you female entrepreneurs, uh, will be representing. David Osborne, David Osborne, whose net worth is $80 million. He's going to come and teach you literally how he went from a net worth of $0. To he was homeless. He was sleeping on the street. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he was still, I don't know about that, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, but David Osborne will be there. And in fact, John, can I say this? David's flying me in his private plane to the event. So, um, you know, which that's how he got to speak. Let's be honest. That's how he <laughs> <laughs> let me speak i'll fly you in my plane i'm like uh, sure you're in so we got betsy and zoe betsy, betsy and zoe. zoe uh yeah why don't you talk about betsy and zoe for a minute yeah you, so in a past lifetime i oversaw sales for vitamix corporation and we brought betsy and zoe into every one of our large conferences for like four years and what they do is they teach the skills of improv and for those of you who've been to this event year after year what you're going to see this year, just like every year, is going to be different than anything they've ever done. They keep upping their game, but they go into some of the well-known tech companies that we're all fans of, the Twitters and Facebooks and Googles, and, and they teach within these companies the skills of improv and how to use those in life for our relationships, for our businesses, for our presentation skills. And the best part about Betsy and Zoe is they're wildly entertaining, and they're the best in the world at what they do. Yeah. And anytime I get a chance to be with and learn from someone who's the best in the world, I really value that. It's meaningful for me. 
Did you mention I was answering comments? Did you mention that they have a standing appointment at Twitter every week where they teach their improv? Yeah. Yeah. I know. No, I don't know if I mentioned that. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, so, by the way, Stephanie Blackbird says, it looks like I'm bringing my husband this year, Stephanie. That is fired up. She also says, I love improv. So, Stephanie, you're in for a treat with Betsy and Zoe. Annette says, can't wait to learn from all these great people on Entrepreneur Day. Awesome, Annette. My husband is just barely reading the Miracle Morning book, but he is joining me at Best Year Ever. Wow, that's two for two on the husbands uh, with Stephanie and Annette. So really, really cool. In fact, one of my best friends brought his wife two years ago to Best Year Ever, and she was kind of a little, I think, resistant. She wasn't sure, you know, ah, this isn't really her thing. It's my friend, you know, my friend was going there. Anyway, and they both signed up for last year. And this year, I mean, so it's like, uh, it really is a neat thing to do with your spouse, your kids, even um, Brad Britton, John, we got to mention this, our former mentor, Brad Britton, I saw yesterday that he signed up and he signed up his daughter, who I think Madison's, do you know, around 16-ish, is that 18-ish? I, I don't well, even know. She's selling Cutco, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. So she's probably 18. I, I know she sells Cutco because every couple months I get a text from her trying to sell me something and... I think last time I bought something. I can't remember what I bought. <laughs> oh, I'm actually really, my feelings are hurt that she doesn't text me and try to sell me Cutco. What the hell? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, All right. Well, hey, uh, love and appreciate everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Johnny, let's wrap this thing up, buddy. I love you. I can't wait to see you in person um, soon for, I think, my front row experience. Is that the next time I'll see you? Oh yeah. I can't wait, buddy. It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. All right. I love you, buddy. Hey, love you, buddy. Love you, Miracle Morning community members. I love you. We'll see you in San Diego at Best Year Blueprint. If you're not signed up, you can go grab your spot at bestyeareverlive.com. There are still tickets available. So bestyeareverlive.com. Thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll see you soon. Take care. All right, John here. Hey, I don't know exactly where we chose to cut off that conversation. I'm recording this after the fact, but I hope you enjoyed. And if you're curious, that conversation never really ended. And if you want to go watch on the live stream, you can actually follow as I went to pick up my three-year-old Kaizen at preschool and you can meet him. But anyways, I know many of you are treating this episode as your preview, as your prep for the best year ever live experience in San Diego. So again, if you're going to be joining us and you haven't picked up your ticket yet, make sure you go do that today. There's still payment options available. I think those are going to go away in the next few weeks or even few days. So bestyeareverlive.com. We cannot wait to see you. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 